strategic partnerships are everywhere in the world. It doesn't have to be drug development or a new product of any type. Uh, a strategic partnership could be as easy as asking someone to hand you a screwdriver. You have a trying to accomplish a task. They have a, a thing that could help you accomplish that task more easily. You reach out and ask them for help. Welcome to Strategy for Scientists. This is a podcast for scientists interested in learning about the fundamentals of business strategy through stories. I'm T. Nguyen at the University of California, San Francisco. In this podcast, I talk to Rob Hesse, a consultant with Clearview Healthcare Partners and a UCSF alum. We talked about what he looks for in a strategic partner, how to maintain that relationship, and optimize productivity. Rob also shared the importance of communication skills in successful collaborations. He talks about messaging and being influential as a way to communicate effectively, sort of the soft skills side. To start, Rob tells us that clients seek support from Clearview because of their specific capabilities and resources. It's a strategic partnership because Clearview helps them achieve goals they may not have been able to achieve without the partnership. We try to be uh, strong strategic partners in that we have um, a number of capabilities that we can perform with more ease than than the company could. Uh, we have different resources at our disposal. Um, so, for example, market research. So we can contact, you know, for physicians or payers or patients, and um, have these conversations with them that uh, pharma companies couldn't because of sunshine laws and and other laws that would prevent them from doing like direct to consumer marketing or other thing like that. So these conversations are fantastically interesting. You get to talk to all sorts of people that you normally wouldn't, um, key opinion leaders, high volume prescribers, all sorts of people. And so in that context, in the context of market uh, research, we provide the tools that could help uh, product development for the company. Um, so our clients contact us uh, or they have specific problems and they would like answers to those problems. And most of these problems are tough to crack. Otherwise, they wouldn't really contact us and they do it all in-house. Companies will reach out to Rob and other consultants in the firm to fill a gap or a need. It could be a gap in content, expertise, or stakeholders, for instance, or it could be a market gap or a financial gap. But the purpose could be to achieve a goal more effectively or in a more timely manner. Right. So if they don't want to spin their wheels um, if they don't have the expertise, right? So they reach out and try to do it as, as efficiently as possible. Um, the price tag for these projects are sometimes higher, but what they're paying for is, is the efficiency, is getting this information quickly, being able to make decisions quickly, and staying ahead of their competition. When you enter into a collaboration where a client reaches out to you, who sets the milestones? When does the planning happen? So that's all from one meeting, the kickoff meeting. Um, and so we produce a document for them that has a proposal of timelines or activities, typically both. <laughs> and um, so we, we align on what needs to be done and by what like end date. And then also um, interim meetings, update meetings, things like that. Uh, these kind of frequent touch points are essential to maintaining not only the relationship with the client, but also making sure that you're being productive. Like you have to do work for these update meetings, so you have to stay productive, and um, and then the client, you know, can rest easy knowing that good progress is being made. 
Regarding progress, what if you discover information that impacts the plan? For example, maybe a negative change in their plan. Talking with key opinion leaders, uh, other physicians, you know, so it sometimes challenges the assumptions that the client had made, uh, be it in a forecast or just an oppor- general opportunity assessment. So like ep- you know, the epidemiology or the segmentation of the patient population is slightly different from what the client had assumed. Uh, based on literature and key opinion leaders having read the literature and maybe um, you know knowing some unpublished results themselves um, challenge that and so challenges are not a bad thing because it count challenges are how we grow and learn um, and the, the clients typically see it that way too and you just need to communicate it with a little bit of sensitivity you know so that you know frame it like no one's wrong but this is maybe a a better way to think about it. So you have to think about the client and how they'll perceive the information, and and you have to present it in a positive way. Right. Messaging is very important. Um, Nobody likes to be told they're wrong. Nobody likes to be told to do something. So a lot of language in consulting is like a recommendation or a suggestion or like for your consideration sorts of things. Um, Because at the end of the day, the client owns the work. And we're just trying to help them get to the right answer. What about the situation where you're the person initiating the collaboration and you're setting the endpoints? How do you optimize productivity, say, if somebody isn't meeting the milestones? I mean, it all comes down to communication again. Uh, you need to, it's the best way to do it is to have very clear goals, align on the best ways to achieve those goals, frequent touch points, check-ins, updates. Um, you know, not being afraid to pick up the phone or send an email, just say, hey, how's it going? Uh, especially with position recruiting, it can be as quick as a couple days or as long as a couple weeks to get the number of people you need uh, to talk to. And so feeling free to quote, you know, bug somebody to figure out where they are, then, then that's really how you set productivity. And it's even more fantastic when people manage up. And so manage up, sounds like a buzzword. It's really not. Uh, It's just telling your, whoever you're working with, whoever your partners are, where you are in your work stream and ballpark how long you think it's going to take. And so then on their side, they have a better idea of where you are, how long it's going to take, but also it develops trust between the partners. And they're like, okay, this guy's solid. He knows what he's doing. We often hear that good collaborators have soft skills. They are influential in their interactions and tailor the message to the person they're addressing. How does an individual do this, be influential, and successfully engage collaborators? The best thing to understand is that people have different backgrounds. So it's it's tough to do, but you need to start learning how to kind of read the room. I know that sounds like a kind of a buzzword as well. Uh, it, it's it's um, understanding backgrounds in the room, and then from those backgrounds, you can potentially infer how they prefer their information. So if you're talking to C-suite people like CSOs, uh, CFOs, CEOs, they are probably very busy and want you to get to the point immediately. Like tip of the iceberg and that's it. If they have any follow-up questions, like you're there and ready to answer them. And if they don't, that's the end of the conversation. So business etiquette in communication is something grad students and postdocs can start working on. Putting your conclusion or your ask first. I would say People with academic backgrounds love to front load the details because, you know, you want credit for the analysis you did, right? You 
you want to show like I am really smart and I'm going to put this forward. But usually the best way to do it is to put your point first, you know, your implications, your your conclusion and then support it with the details. And like writing emails, if you're asking for something, start with a question and then put the context. To close up, is there any other career advice you can share? We've talked about other tips like communicating more concisely and thinking about your audience, but what other specific advice would you have for a graduate student or a postdoc who wants to work in industry or consulting? PhDs and postdocs may think that business is a different animal from academia. Uh, while it does have different stripes, it's not necessarily a different animal. Even in your lab work and, and things you do day to day, that's business in a sense. Having a collaboration uh, with another lab is a strategic collaboration as you would see it in the business world. They have something or knowledge of some sort that could help you do something better or you know, maybe it's mutually helpful. Those are the best kinds of collaborations. You can leverage that in your resume or during your behavioral interview questions for your for your job interviews, take your academic experience and just put a business spin to it. Do you have any advice that you wish someone had shared with you early in your career? Yeah, uh, I would go back to oral communications. Um, and so, I mean, some people are just good at it naturally. A lot of us, um, not so much. And what I'm going to suggest, um, introverts will probably roll their eyes. But going out of your comfort zone and doing public speaking training, like be it uh, Toastmasters or, um, I don't know, volunteering to speak. Uh, so you're saying it's important to get this training and improve these skills, even if it's a little scary. Yeah, exactly. You know, going out of your comfort zone, because if you don't challenge yourself, you're not going to expand. You're not going to learn. Uh, you're not going to get better. Uh, and if you stay in your comfort zone, which is your you know, your lab update meetings, um, where everyone, you know, uh, has the same sort of uh, style to delivering and, and listening to information, you're probably not going to develop. And, and honestly, that's going to hurt you. Um, so going out of your comfort zone, it's scary. It's supposed to be. Thank you for listening to Strategy for Scientists. Interested in learning more? Check out the online lectures co-produced by iBiology and the UCSF Office of Career and Professional Development. We'd like to thank the Burroughs Welcome Fund and the NIH National Institute of General Medical Sciences, or NIGMS, for grant funding. Thanks also to PRX Podcast Garage in Boston for the studio space and helping us to get started with this production. Tune in for more stories about scientists using strategy.